So yeah, started off at Chelsea. How um, how was that? Were you we we think you would have been in the same youth team as uh, as Leon Knight, were you? Uh, <laughs> uh, he was he he was the year below, but I so I I. <laughs> <laughs> Leon and I obviously knew each other for a period before that because um, obviously it, within the club, the School of Excellence, as it was called then, but also um, I uh, uh, earned a scholarship to Lillyshaw, which was a national football school at the time. Um, and Leon was the year below. So um, his year was the last year to go through it before Howard Wilkinson uh, did a massive, massive report on youth football, I don't know if you would remember that or be aware of that, but they brought Howard Wilkinson in, he did this massive assessment of youth football and said that Lily Shaw and the FA National School was, you know, not a waste of money, but, you know, every club should be doing that thing, basically. So I was there for two years and that was where I first also played for England schoolboys and 16, 17, 18s. Uh, and uh, Leon was, the, was, was my junior, as they called it. Um, and obviously then we, we then you know, we're at Chelsea together as well. You, you could probably get a lot of players to speak to a lot of players who played with him and they'll all have a, they'll all have a Leon Knight story. I, 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 I resisted getting involved in something on Twitter a little while ago where he put out how he'd fly kicked me one day uh, <laughs> training, uh, which I have absolutely no, no recollection of. But um, because what I want to say, well, do you remember the time I clotheslined you in the Toulon? Uh, when we were in the hotel and you being a prick, uh, and I, and I broke your, I broke your, uh, your, um, your, what was it? it? Wasn't a discman. It was like you had one of those, what the MP3 player thing, you know, when that smashed and you, you got smashed on the floor. Uh, but I resisted that because um, you know I don't really want to get involved. I'm too old for that shit. Man. So what was it like in that in that um, that youth team? So obviously, would that, would that have been with John Terry and all that? Yeah, so, the, so John was John is John's a year older than me, so there was a probably there may have been a period where the three of us may have played together, um, but John soon sort of accelerated on, and it was clear that that he was obviously destined for bigger things, and and you know um, very very quickly kind of sort of found his way into the first team squad and, and, and the first team, you know, um, just. just a really like aggressive, hard player, you know. Um, and you know, um, I would I have anticipated him going on to do what he's done? Probably not. But you know, whatever you think of him as a person or whatever, you know, what a fantastic career he's had. You know, yeah, had. you can't can't take anything away from how he was as a player, can you? Uh, you know, he worked very hard on his game. I think he knew his limitations. You know, and I just remember we had a. A youth team manager is a real hard Scottish bastard uh, called Jim Duffy, and he sort of took took John under his wing a little bit, um, and he was just having heading balls. They would just be out, out there, just heading balls, you know. And um, his aggression was encouraged at all times, you know. And we, and obviously, I played a lot of reserve games as well because um, I was pushed into the reserves myself, and John was there for a period before he was involved with the first team, and obviously, it was a period where he was involved with both, you know. And he he. It would be like a free kick, you know, near the halfway line or inside your own half. And he put the ball and he, he sort of whispered to me, where's the keeper stood? Like, where's their keeper? And I'd say, well, he's probably on the edge of the area. I think he scored two, there was at least two times where he scored a goal, which just pumped it. 
and obviously the, the, the goal, the opposing goalkeeper wasn't expecting him to shoot, you know. So um, he, he, I think I was fortunate where I was involved with international sort of scenes. So you would see the best players that were around, you know, and I think you then got an eye for who was that that kind of quality player. And, and, and John certainly, you know, without saying patronising or belittling, he was certainly, you know, of that. Like, I wouldn't personally say Knight he was, but John, John, without a doubt was. So was um, was there anyone else in that team? Because you you hear like a few stories of players that are like shit hot as a youngster, and then they never quite quite live yeah. up to it. Was was there anyone anyone in that team that sort of springs to mind? In, there? in the Chelsea youth team, yeah, uh, or anyone not, anyone really that you that you've played with that never really sort of kicked on from where they were as a youngster. Well, yeah, I mean, you bear in mind. So when I was at Lillyshaw from the age of fourteen, so I did my last two school years there and lived there on site and everything. You know, there's sixteen lads, two goalkeepers, and fourteen outfield players. And there's, I'm in a group WhatsApp with those guys, um, Joe Colby and one of those, one of those, you know. And there were players from that 16 lads who never played a professional game, you know, never got beyond the youth or reserve teams at their individual clubs. And they're all at, pre- I think most of them were all at premiership clubs, you know. So even, even then, when you're so say being told that at 14, 15, 16, you're within that top percentage in the country that doesn't then transpire into being guaranteed being a, a, a full pro first team player or whatever it might be, you know. Um, but on the flip side of that, I, I obviously uh, have reflected a lot on my own career and, you know, how I sort of was on this trajectory and it just kind of went, you know, that I just wonder whether being told at that young age that somebody thinks you're one of the best young players around, whether that is actually a healthy thing or not. I, I'm, I'm sort of, bit undecided on that really you know yeah. it was like you mentioned the thing there you said about the the coach working working with John Terry just just heading balls mm. and you can't even do that now like they've they've tried they've, they've banned that now with kids of a certain age I know like you said you're a little bit yeah. older than that at that time like 18 year olds yeah but yeah it's just I, I think we're developing a player like you said there like one of the words you used was like he was just hard even as a youngster, he was a hard defender. I don't yeah. think you're going to get that anymore, but with the little things they're doing to take that out of the game. Yeah, look, I mean, they're, 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 to be honest, personally, from a goalkeeping point of view, I think there's bigger problems than that going on. You know, there's 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 this thing now within football where, you know, um, the, the, the level of coaching within goalkeeping, youth goalkeeping, is so poor, we could probably do a whole other podcast on that. I could... You know, because and I, and I, not only have I believed that for a while, I've seen it last season. My son, who's now 16, he stepped away from football after a bad experience at Swindon when he was younger at Swindon's Academy. Um, he then had to battle with, he's got type 1 diabetes. That was only diagnosed a couple of years ago. And uh, sort of this time last year, he said to me, look, Dad, I want to I give it a go again. I was like, OK, fine. You know, I said, you are, you know, what do you want to achieve? And, and he said, well, I, I want, I, you know, I want to, you know, be a, be a pro, you know, all that, you know, get an apprenticeship or a scholarship, as they call it now. So, well, it's a big ask, you know, it's a massive ask to have a standing start. We, we, you know, so I, I've, uh, last season, I started coaching at the local non-league club in Swindon, where I'm originally from. Well, I don't live there. I live down in Christchurch. But um, started coaching now. I was coaching at Hereford Preves. And that was fine for me. One or two nights a week, that's enough for me. Um, so, he came in and trained with me. He then got a trial at, Forest Green through Chris Barks because he was the youth team manager there. 
after going to an open day session. Um, he then went to a couple of other clubs. I won't name them, um, but the, the 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 level of young goalkeeper coaching is extremely poor, extremely poor to the point where it really gets my, you know, it's the one thing that will set me off, you know, and I'll go off on a tangent, you know, but the the. The, the, the problem is, I think the, the FA have created this culture where, you know, if you've done the badges, and fair play, if you've done all the badges and you've got all the qualifications, that's great. You know, he, he so my son was, was in, within one of these training sessions and got talking to the goalkeeper coach. And he said, oh, you know, what's your, I'm just interested to know what your background is. And the last thing the guy had done was been released by a club at 15 years old. That was his last involvement in professional football. You know, and I think especially within, and this is, you know, this is probably controversial, but, you know, the, the goalkeeping for me is, is the most difficult position on the pitch because there is a massive psychological element to it and there's a massive element of empathy to it as well. If, if, if great if you've got the coaching badges, fair play to you. No, no, no issue with that. But if you haven't been in the situation where you've made a mistake in front of thousands of people, you know, and you've and you've experienced that, and how that feels, and, and the abuse that comes with it, and that and that sitting there, you know, after the game in the change room at home, trying to sleep that night. If you haven't been in that mental headspace, I, I I really struggle to see how you can be the best coach you can, because you're not you're not going to have that experience of that, you know, because. It's a very, very difficult position to be in, you know, as an individual or as a kid or anybody as an adult, you know. Um, and and I, I, how you would police that, I don't know, but I just it concerns me that there's not enough ex-pros coaching young goalkeepers. You know, I think that's a con for me that's a concern. Hmm. It's, it's funny you mentioned that actually because um, we just I don't know if you played with him. We had Ted Smith. Did you play with him? Yeah, so I've seen, I, I've seen, I've, I've been thinking about giving Ted a call because um, Ted was um, coming through when I was at the club. I think he may have been, you know, within the School of Excellence or Academy, whatever it was called then. And I really liked Ted. I thought he was a really good kid. You know, um, if you remember during my season, they'd released Lee Turner, the goalkeeper coach, to save money. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to get involved. Terry Mason was involved with the yeah. uh, Academy. And Ted, and I was aware of Ted and I'd spoken to Ted and, and I think I even spoke to him after I'd left the club. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's really sad. to. I've only read what has been written, you know, and, and uh, everything, you know. But, again, it's a prime example of, of how difficult being a professional footballer is. But I think being a goalkeeper is potentially even harder, you know, because there's such a, you know, this, there. And obviously, everybody who's played in any other position will argue the same thing, no doubt, you know, that psychologically it's tough. But I think goalkeeping is the toughest. Yeah. No, I, I would I would, I would, have to agree with you. Because yeah, I I you fit a, a goalkeeper makes a mistake, 99.99% of the time it results in a goal. Anyone yeah. else makes a mistake, somebody somewhere can cover your ass a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that, that but it's, it's, you know, the, and that's the public side of it. And that's, and that's, you know, what the fans and TV and everybody else will see. What they don't see is what happens at home afterwards, you know, and how that affects you, how that affects your, your, your family, your, your, your child, your wife, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever that might be, you know, because knowing that there's a chance you might then get dropped and that might be you out of the team for the next few months, you know, mm. um, depending on the, on the situation of the club you're at, you know. So, um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a it's a real shame, you know. Obviously, you know, Ted's mature enough to have made his decision. You know, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've got his number. I, I may pick the phone up to him and just see how he is, really. You know, but I'm sure he's probably got plenty of other people that he can do that with. You know, but um, it's, it's it's one of the many sad stories of football, isn't it? You know, I think and I think the thing is now it's it's even more highlighted, isn't it, with some of the you know that that the the the, the, the mental health side of things that's starting to kind of come through and be more. Uh, sympathised with should we say yeah if I was to go back to after your release from Chelsea yeah so that that again was a was a was a was a, an interesting time I kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit with it you know um, and um, I, I got released by Chelsea on whatever day it was the Tuesday or the Wednesday and the day after I was I was named in the England 21 squad you know so it was quite a <laughs> Uh, a, a strange, uh, you know, to, to, to have that one day to then get a phone call the next. So David Platt selected you for the under 20. And I'd always been involved in the England. At one stage, I, I believe, I remember if I remember rightly, I was the most capped England youth goalkeeper when there was less games back then. Um, you know, and I played a lot. I played like 50 international games, I think, you know. Um, um, so that, that was great. So, so I was in the shop window um, to a certain extent and my agent at the time spoke to David Platt and he, he tipped him off to say yeah Reese is going to play Reese will play you know I will play for the 21s which was like because I think Robin, Robinson and Kirkland were both injured who were, who, were, who were guys that were I was up against and the difference with them is they were both playing in the premiership at that stage so it was quite a tough sort of you know thing to break into because I wasn't playing first thing I'd been on loan but I wasn't playing first team football regularly, not at not at the level they were, certainly. So what's that like playing for England, like under twenty ones? I guess that's the the next best privilege, isn't it? So Yeah, you know, that that's the one thing that I you know, when I do sit and think about I've I've, I've got a cabinet just there. It, it sits in this room because it can't couldn't get it upstairs and I moved into this house. Um, <laughs> but in, in that cabinet I've got I've got my England my a couple of my friends call it my ego cabinet, but um <laughs> my uh, it's got my England caps in there. My dad's got a couple, and you know, I, you know, I'm immensely proud of that. Do you know what I mean? And I think I said to somebody recently, you know, I, I, when I first moved down to this area and I started in, in the new job in this area, a couple of guys came around that I work with, and you know, when you see their reaction to that, you go, oh yeah, like that, you know, that's that's quite a big deal. But obviously, where you you kind of get a bit conditioned to it to a certain extent. But yeah, I. I I genuinely don't think there's a better feeling standing there, you know, when the national anthem's playing, knowing at that moment you've been selected. So, say, in somebody's opinion, you are the best young goalkeeper in England, in their opinion, at that moment. The best in your position, yeah. On the flip side of that, 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 that I think eventually caused me a problem in my later, my later career, you know, because, you know, you know, talk about time when I get to South End, you know, and I, and I wasn't selected to play in the first game of the season. That, you know, you get to that point. I was embarrassed to be the number two goalkeeper at Southend. You know, that that was kind of how I felt at that point. You know, and I think all the the the, the success I had at a young age set me up for a fall later in my career. You know, unfortunately. So would you say that Sw- Swindon was was certainly the the longest like sustained period you had as as a yeah, first which, keeper? Which, which is incredible. Really, it wasn't how I envisaged that to sort of pan itself out. You know, but. Um, so I, I played for the under-21s. I, I, I spoke to Sam Adelice at Bolton. I spoke to Glenn Roder at West Ham. I spoke to I spoke to Sturrock at Plymouth. Uh, I spoke to loads of managers and that, you know. And um, 
I then got a phone call from Fraser Digby, who was a goalkeeper that played for Swindon when I was a kid. And I'd grown up watching, but I'd then met for the first time at QPR a season or two before when I went on loan from Chelsea. So I've walked into QPR and my, my childhood hero is the number one goalkeeper that I've got to try and displace, you know, which, was in, which is amazing, you know. Um, and at the time then, Fraser was working in the marketing department at Swindon. Uh, and the phone went, he said, look, you know, I, would you be interested in speaking to Swindon? Um, and, it, you know, it was one of those things where things just seemed to fall. It was my hometown club. My wife at the time was about to give birth to our, to our son, my son. Um, and it was a chance to come home after being away from home for six or seven years, you know, and be surrounded by family uh, during the period when my, my child was born, my, my only child. Um, so, you know, instead of going for, you know, my dad says to me now, you know, instead of going and signing at Bolton for three grand a week, um, I went and signed at Swindon for hundreds rather than thousands, you know. But the, 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 the mindset was, was that play every week, you know, build my stock as much as I could. Hopefully that went well to then kick on again, you know. Um, yeah. All that time, whilst being surrounded by my hometown people and friends and family, you know. Um, uh, and that was the idea behind it, you know. What, um, what, what division was that in then? Uh, League One. Okay. Um, and the first season, we, we, we missed out on getting to the playoff final by... Um, so my 30 seconds, Brighton equalised against us with like 30 seconds to go in the uh, extra time of the playoff second leg, uh, which took it to penalties and um, uh, we lost on penalties. So it, it was almost the perfect scenario and it all worked itself out and yeah, and it, it, it didn't after that, unfortunately. So, Did you meet Paul Sturrock at, firstly at, at Swindon? No, no. So, I, I, so, yeah, so that's an interesting one. So I... I we got relegated in 2006 and that my contract was up and I was 24. So obviously the Bosman thing kicked in at that point. Mm. Um, I'd clean, clean swept the player of the year awards and thought, okay, all right, well I had some offers and I, I, I didn't really want to abandon shit, but then there was like this silence from the club where they then got rid of Ify and Aura, who was like the caretaker after they'd sacked Andy King earlier in the season. And then it became apparent that Dennis Wise was getting the job. So Dennis Wise got the job and I'm sat there waiting for my phone to ring, you know, as the, as the, that time, the, the club goalkeeper, the player of the year and all of this jazz, known him from Chelsea, obviously, at work, well, you know, we knew, you know, he obviously knew me and knew who I was, you know. Yeah. Uh, it took him two weeks to call me. Um, and I think that point, the alarm bells were ringing a little bit and, yeah. you know, I had this ridiculous conversation where I said, look, I'm, I'm being offered this at Blackpool where I ended up going. If you can match that, I'll stay. And I knew and I, they could afford it because I knew what so many other players were earning there. Do you know what I mean? And he came out this line, well, I'm, I'm not having you hold a gun to my head, so I'm not trying to. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get the best deal for myself, you know. Um, and I went, do you know what? Don't worry about it, sort of thing. Like, you know, and it got a bit shitty on the phone. And, um, and I went and made the biggest mistake of my career and signed at Blackpool. And... and Will always regret that to my to my dying breath. Unfortunately, my career never really uh, recovered from that decision. Unfortunately, why was why was that so bad? I knew I'd made a mistake as soon as I got there, and <laughs> I, I, and it was a big life lesson for me that I've always kind of stuck with since then. That the day I was signing for them, I was up uh, staying at a friend's house in Southport, 
and I was going off to sign the contract, which you know was 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 really good money f for me at that time, and it was like a two year possibly three year contract, you know. So it all looked on paper to be a good decision that they had a new a, a new chairman who was going to pump a lot of money into the club. The guy they've recently been caught with the Latvian guy. I don't know if you read, yeah. read about that. Yeah. Um, and I just had this feeling that it was I was making a mistake and I phoned my dad I said look this doesn't feel right there's something about I just got this feeling and he's like you know look you know it's, it's this it's that it's that it's the it, you know it's the best offer on the table and obviously I went for it and the, the, got stitched up out of relocation money by the chairman uh, the, the Oyston guy who's a complete tosser um, <laughs> stitched me out of thousands of pounds within the first couple of weeks the training ground was shit. The manager was a prick. You know, it was like everything about it. Everything about it was when I, I just couldn't wait to get out of there, you know. But it was the only time in my career where I acted up to get out of the club eventually, like 18 months later. Um, but I just knew I had to I had to be selfish and do that, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it. But that fast forward that to the end of my career when my last season, I kind of just, I, again, I just felt like it was, it was it was up, you know. Enough's enough, like you know. And I had this opportunity to go and work for Porsche, and went with my gut instinct. So you know, retired a lot younger than I probably would have thought I would have done. You know, when I was much younger, do you know? What I mean, I imagine playing till my age I am now, but yeah, you know, I think I just yeah. went with my thing that enough was enough. So who was who was the manager at, um, at Blackpool? Simon Grayson. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, he gets mixed reviews, him, doesn't he? I, I had this problem where the chairman had told me. So I don't, you may or may not know when you when you move clubs, you are in, you're able to claim eight thousand pounds up to eight thousand pounds of relocation fees. That can cover rent, curtains, removals, carpets, whatever is linked to that. You can claim for it. So they said, look, there's there's four thousand in the contract, but we'll give you the eight. Don't worry about that. Just that's just what's in the contract. Okay, fine. Didn't know any different. Didn't really know them, but had no reason not to, not to trust them, you know. So obviously moved up there, went through all that, bought a house, uh, you know, started handing these receipts in, and the kept going. Well, hang on a minute, you've had your four grand. I went, yeah, but you said I could have up to eight, the maximum. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't. So <laughs> straight away, straight away. And um, with me, I'm, I am quite black and white. That, I, I was done. At that point, I, I was done. You know what I mean? Already killed you. And, and, and you know, um, I just I despised the place. I went to, to Grace and said, look, you need, to, you need to help me out here. And he didn't want to know. Did not want to know. Like, you know. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, looking back now, maybe I should have dealt with it differently. Maybe I should have just got on with it, gone, sod it, do it, get on with it. Um, but it really, it really like, rankled me like massively, um, and I also had down tools. But mentally, I was, I was, you know, not committed to that at all. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, how, how can you be? How can you be committed to work for for someone like that? I, I don't think anyone was would blame me. Yeah, I'll make you right. I'll make you right. So that was, it was uh, Millwall after that, wasn't it? Yeah. So then I got, then I got, um, uh, and it's weird how football, you know, can really turn in, in the space of in the space of a, of a day, um, I uh, <clears throat> I was sat, I'd come home from training uh, at Blackpool, was sat in the, on my sofa at home and uh, phone went, my agent, uh, Mill will want you, Mill will want you to go there on loan, they're, they're having a bit of a nightmare down the bottom of League One, they, they, they want to sign you, they need a goalkeeper, like, you know, I was like, right, 
but you need to get down there tonight because you're playing tomorrow night against Nottingham Forest. <laughs> so it was like, right, fuck, right. So a bit of negotiation with the club and that to get out of there. And I sort of tried to play hardball because I thought well, bollocks to them, like, you know. <laughs> um, and then by 10 o'clock that night, I was in some supporters' house's spare bedroom bedding <laughs> down, like, you know. Um, played the next night against Nottingham Forest and, like, got man in a match. Um and was buzzing, like, you know, it's brilliant, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and that was the season Forest were in the in League One. So to give you a short again, this is this for me was a pivotal moment in my career. Um, played twenty-two games, these figures are burnt in my head. Played twenty-two games, collect seven clean sheets in those twenty-two games. Their average goal, I think, conceded per game was about one point nine before I got there. I worked out in those twenty-two games, the average goals because it was like point nine. So we played the last game of the season at Swindon, got dogs abused because it was my first game back at Swindon. <laughs> uh, and the manager said, Look, can you come in early on Monday? Because I obviously want to have a chat with you. Like, you know, so I'm thinking, brilliant. Like, you know what I mean? I've, I've resurrected my career. I think I've done well. You know, the club's avoided relegation. They're in the relegation zone when I got there. Bang, bang, bang. Brilliant. Like, you know, so I'm thinking, how much, <laughs> I'm thinking, how much am I going to accept? What will, I, what will I sign for? You know, all this. He, he phoned me today, he said, could you come in a bit earlier, like caught on a nine, caught something up really early. And I was like, yeah, fine, no problem. So I got to the training ground, um, went into his office and uh, Kenny Jackett was the manager. So he's another one, another, another nasty piece of work. Um, and bear in mind, he said to my agent at the time earlier, 10 games to go, he, he, my agent phoned him and said, look, you know, because my contract was up, they'd taken over my contract at Blackpool and, and all this. Uh, he said, you know, Reese is done really well, um, really pleased with what he's done for us, you know, since he signed. You know, let's just get the season done and we'll, 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 we'll sort something out, like, you know. So, I had that in the back of my head. I thought I'd done well. I walk in his office, I sit down, he said, yeah, he said, um, look, we're going to go with somebody else next season. Thanks for what you've done. Like that. Like, yeah. And it was like, like, oh, like, and I literally got up, I didn't, I didn't say a word to him. I got up and I just slammed his door <laughs> and just walked out of the training ground and got in my car. Phoned my, phoned my dad because obviously I'd spoken to him and we we're going like, should I accept? What should I? What, what would I accept? What would I? What's he going to say? I phoned him. He went. He went like, and that was quick. I was like, yeah, he's just like, he, he, he's just like told me to like get lost. Like, he's binned you off. Like what? Like what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like you know. So and I, and I, I wound myself up on the conversation. I literally swang my car around in the middle of the road in London. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Like you know, you turned in this mazy, busy road, drove back to the training ground, steaming. Like I was going, I was going to go and kill him. Like you know, <laughs> and the goalkeeper coach must have seen me drive back in and kind of intercepted me and bear hugged me back to my car. Like he's like, don't, don't. You know, my dad's going, don't, don't, don't. Like as I'm going, going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Um, I think it was just such a blow, you know, because I, I thought I'd resurrected myself from a really bad experience at Blackpool. Um, and to be told, like, you know, see you later, was, I was just, um, yeah, gutted. I, that, for me, was another real pivotal moment in my career, I think, you know, where it went sort of tits up, you know. Yeah, definitely. Especially in the way, that to, to do it like that as well, he, he's another one, again, um, Dakit gets mixed reviews. Just... just... Yeah. It's just a yeah, weird not man. not a good not a good man not a good man yeah. because he because he must know that 
you're gonna have those thoughts going through your head. He obviously knows that you've oh, done well, so they, well, they well, know well, they know they're playing with your emotions like that. Oh, it's, it's scandalous! Yeah, absolutely scandalous. You know, and I, and I had a lot of players call me after that on that day or the day after to say like, "What what, what happened?" There? I'm like, "Look, that's that's what the, he wasn't. He was. He's not one of these managers, a popular manager in the club that he works at. You know, certainly when I was at Millwall, he wasn't." And, you know, but he gets success, then he, 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 you know, you can't mm. argue wherever he's been, he tends to get, you know, success. So he, yeah, he's got a good CV. Sticks with what he knows, doesn't he? You know, and you have to be ruthless as a manager, but, you know, I think there's a duty of care to your players, certainly, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you reckon that's like an ego thing? Do you reckon? I think it's just an arsehole thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know. Oh, there, there, there was there was previous with me and him because he was the assistant manager at QPR when I got taken on loan there, um, and that was quite a big wake up call for me going into QPR with Ian Holloway and, and him as assistant. And I and I don't think he liked me. Like I don't think he liked me as a person. I think he signed me begrudgingly uh, for Millwall, um, and you know I I, I I think that was probably always his plan all along. Do you know what I mean? And obviously just kept me sweet because he needed me to do a job for him, like which I, I think I did, you know. So after that then, uh, you ended up at Bradford? Yeah, and that was one of my most enjoyable seasons, played for Stuart McCall, who was the complete opposite to the, the other yeah. two managers I mentioned. What a, My favourite manager I played for, what a great guy. You know, what a fantastic man. He comes across a good guy, actually, doesn't he? Yeah, brilliant. Like, you know, fantastic. Um, Nigel Martin was my goalkeeper coach, which was brilliant, you know. Uh, Somebody like that, you know, he couldn't serve because his foot was knackered. He had a broken bone in his foot, which is why he retired. But for me at that age, to be able to, you know, to be able to go and say, what do you think of that? Or talk to me about that um, was, 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 was fantastic. You know what I mean? So everything about that, we were, I lived in a lovely place, the highest village in England, um, out in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, as a family, I think we were happy there, you know, and everything around it was great. I uh, played like 49 games that season. Um, I got one of the Player of the Year awards. But then it, again, you know, uh, we missed out on the playoffs by about, I think, three three points. If we'd have got in the playoffs, we would have got TV money, which would have kicked the club on because earlier in the season, we had a game kicked off, due, uh, called off due to snow um, mm. and lost the money. So basically, at the end of the season, the chairman went, anybody who's on more than £1,000 uh, a week has to go. Um, and I was in that bracket, um, uh, you know, so you play those games. I thought again, and I had a really good relationship with the Bradford fans. I went back there with South, actually, I think South End that season, the four, a couple of seasons later, we're back with South End and got a, a, a stand innovation as I warmed up when Glenn was injured, you know, and that was like, you know, you think like, oh, what, you know, if only like, do you know what I mean? If only yeah. I could have stayed longer. Um, yeah. And, you know, work with Stuart McCall, continue working with Nigel Martin, you know, which was fantastic for me. Um, uh, and obviously wasn't meant to be, you know. So, and that really was the last time I enjoyed football is the honest answer. And then went to Bristol Rovers late in pre-season, wasn't really fit enough. And again, was just used as a, as a, as a backup. And I'm not really one for being a backup goalkeeper. I don't enjoy that experience. And then you find me uh, at South End, which I know was obviously with you. Your question about ten minutes ago, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. It, yeah, so so you there was obviously a lot of very public uh, financial struggles. No team, like Paul Starrick turns up, clicks his fingers, and a, and a team turn up. 
yeah, I didn't really have a lot of choice. There wasn't many offers on the table uh, for me at that stage. Um, you know, it was it, it was a case of my only real option, like, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, was, was sort of happy to sign. And, um, I, I, again, you know, and, and Glenn was great. Glenn Morris did great. And he, you know, did really well that season in terms of playing. I, I was, um, I thought I'd done well in pre-season. And I was, I was, I remember at the time, and, and you tell me otherwise, but I thought I had a good pre-season. I, play, I think we played Derby, I think, so then I played well in that game. Um, and I thought I'd done well. And then on the, before the first game of the season to be told I wasn't playing, Glenn was playing. I remember that, I remember quite shocked at that. And that really, again, and my, and my tolerance level at that point after my previous few years was pretty low. So that yeah. really, that, I, was, I was gutted about that. Do you know what I mean? Because again, yeah. I thought, I, I think I, 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 I can't, I, you know, it's 10 years ago now, you know, but I remember thinking I'd done well. And I think I was genuinely shocked not to be named in the first team of the season. Uh, 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 and Glenn played, you know. But again, Glenn did great. You know, I can't. I'm not. I'm not mocking him at all. You know, and we had a we had a good working relationship. You know, um, you are you are right, sorry, but you are right. I, I remember at the time on the uh, the South End fan website, and everyone thought you'd be number one. Well, the majority of people. Oh, really? One. That's, yeah. in, that's interesting. That. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it, you know, it it, it it was. Um, yeah, I was gutted about that. I was gutted about that because again, you know, every every opportunity you get, you think right, okay. I'm, I'm back in here. I'm back on it. Here we go. Like, do you know what I mean? And that, and that enthusiasm you have is up there, and then it just gets blown out of the water. Yeah. And, and that, and I, I think, I, I, I've, I, I've, you know, I've, I had to, I've thought about it a lot, and I think what the, you know, just broaden it a little bit. I think you know what you end up doing as a, as a, as a professional footballer is you, you you build this armor up. You know, you build this tough exterior up to get you through professional football. I think the longer you have the armour, the heavier it gets. You know, so the older you get, the harder it gets, and and, and the the blows get harder the older you get. Do you know what I mean? And you're not quite as resilient as you were when you were younger. Um, and I think you know that that was a that was a that was a kick in the balls a little bit. You know, and um, and again, the problem is then when you get a chance. You know, when I then got to play, you know, you you, you have that air of desperation about you. You know, because you're so keen to take the opportunity and you rev yourself up so much for that opportunity um, that it almost then imp- impedes you a little bit like do you know what I mean definitely, yeah. definitely. so you, you say you had I guess that this this must be a thing with, with goalkeepers everywhere but is there like an unwritten rule between like the goalkeepers like the GK union like well it's like we're not picking the team because it's, it's like you obviously there's a, you, can't, you can have four defenders four midfielders whatever there's only one goalkeeper so is it yeah. is it difficult to really sort of keep a good working relationship with the other goalkeepers when you're not in the team? Uh, I think it depends. I think it depends on the personalities. You know what I mean? Um, I, I never really fell out of any goalkeeper that I was at a club with, from memory. Um, and I always tried to get on well with the young lads. I, I think that's something I found since I've started coaching a little bit. You know, is that I think I definitely am, I'm, I'm able to communicate with, you know apprentice age goalkeepers you know and, and 16, 17, 18, 19 year old lads and hopefully I'd like to think hopefully Danny Bentley would back that up you know Ted might back that up as well from the experience I had with him um, so I would always try and do that and obviously then Lee Turner went d- during that during that season um, 
and it was I kind of just took over the the, the goalkeeping sessions really. Sturridge tried to do it a couple of days, and that was fucking horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "I've got I've got my coaching goalkeeper coaching badge, like you know." And sort of Glenn and I looked at one another and was like, "Oh shit!" Like you know. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it only lasted one or two sessions, and I think we gave him the impression that no, you're okay, like you know. <laughs> On the on the whole, how how was uh, how was Sturrock to to work with? He, I, I found him personally frustrating because he wasn't one. For, I don't think he was one for man management. You know, when I when I was dropped on those couple of occasions after being in the team, there was no come up to my office on the Friday or whatever or talk. He just named the team and I wasn't in it. And I and I I, I, I wasn't really keen on that kind of style of management personally. You know, I mean, I think that. That personal touch goes a long way with players, you know, in my opinion. Um, I think that the stories I'd always heard about him, you know, prior to working with him, I think he, I, I think, unfortunately, his illness had kind of caught up with him at the point when yeah. I got to work with him, you know. Um, and he was probably, a, and you know, even, even Bark said that to me, you know, that he was a bit of a shadow of his former self, you know, and he was obviously trying to manage his medication and everything else, you know. So, um Look, you know, it, what, what I would say to, to uh, I will always hold him in high regard because after the South, South End season, I went on trial back at Bradford and I bust my knee really badly and I had an operation. And um, he allowed me to go back into South End the following season and do my rehab um, right. with Ken Clarkson. And he didn't have to do that. Um, so I, I will always be very grateful for that. And I'll always, you know, if he ever asked me to do anything for him or help him out, I would always you know, look to return that, that gesture, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, massive respect for him, what he did for me afterwards, but disappointed at times with how I was treated, you know. But, you know, it is what it is, isn't it, you know. Yeah, um, and obviously th this is something that we're, we're about to move on to in much more detail. We, we touched on it very briefly earlier with the, the, the mental health struggles for, for footballers. Yeah. But... Um, we we had a conversation earlier, like before we were recording this, about supporters and their the role they they can play, particularly with a with a goalkeeper. Yeah, I think you know what I've learned a lot in the last. Where are we now? Five months since Christmas with Chris. Um, I I look at things very very differently, and you know what. And I've seen some amazing gestures from people in relation to Chris. I've also seen some, some, a couple of really shit things. Like you know, what I mean, people. You know, there are definitely people out there who, who like to attach themselves to um, grief and and, and 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 you know that kind of wallowing element of it. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, you go back to my my. You know, so let's make this relevant. When I played, I remember playing in a game, and I had a horrendous experience where we played at home and. Um, I was playing and, and this shot was hit at me and it's hit this divot in front of me and gone over me and gone in the goal. And then something else happened. That was probably like when I was dropped off that and I played a Lincoln away and made a, 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 a bad mistake for a goal, you know. Um, and, you know, you, you get a lot of abuse, which, 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 is, which is fine in itself. But, you know, there's, there's, you know, I have no problem with, with people, you know, supporters will pay their money. You know, it's a massive release for them, for a lot of them on a Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday night, whenever it is, you know, but then what, what, and I think obviously social media was, it was in, in its infancy when I played, thank God, because I don't think I probably would have dealt with that very well. Um, 
being, you know, but sometimes I'll see something, um, you know, about me, and I've seen it related to South End, you know, with I can't whatever I've seen, and then you, you scroll and go, oh yeah, he was shit, or he was fucking useless, like, do you know what I mean, you know, yeah. and you think, yeah, okay, but then then sure as shit, some of these people would no doubt would have been would have been, you know. Um, offering their condolences in regards to what happened with Chris, you know. And again, that's fine. That's, that's you know, the right thing to do. But are they, are these people, I'm not saying all people do it, I'm saying there, are, there will be people who do both of those things. You know, and I think I find it a little bit, you know, uh, hypocritical. You know, I think people have, need to have a, just a little bit more thought at times, you know, that, yeah, have a rant, have a moan, you know, but... I think there needs to be more awareness of what that effect that has on players. Do you know what I mean? Especially when they're your own players. Do you know what I mean? It's like going outside and keying your own car, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it defies logic, doesn't it? You know, why would you yeah. abuse somebody who's who, who is no doubt trying their very best to, to 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 do well for your club? You know, and yeah, of course, not every not every player has got a deep emotional attachment to a club, and it's a job, like you know, any job is. You know, so. But I guarantee you, every player when he's out there is, is doing it the best he can at that moment. Do you know what I mean? And it might not always be the best. He, you know, it might not work out like that. But you know, and, and, and people are very quick to, you know, um, when something bad happens or somebody passes away or somebody, you know, ultimately commits suicide, that they're very quick to then go, "That's terrible. That's awful." You know, are they applying that same thought pattern? In, in the opposite instance, you know, where they're giving people a bit of stick, you know, and I just think there needs yeah. to be, a, I don't know, you know, that's just my, it's a very sensitive subject to me because obviously what I've, what I've witnessed in terms of the fallout of Chris's death and obviously how it's affected me personally as well, you know. It's very easy to go, yeah, mental health, mind charity, you know, let's all, let's all, you know, let's all get behind that. But it's not just about donating money, is it, or retweeting some or, 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 or backing some. It's about behaviour and how, how, how you treat people prior to that point, because that, that's the ultimate. But what I would say, just to caveat that, is with, with what happened with Chris, I, don't, I personally, my own opinion is, is that it, what, he, what he was struggling wasn't, I don't think was, was stopping playing football. I think there were other things that... that, that you know, uh, that were contributing factors. Bringing it back to like a general football thing and where fans can like go a bit too far at times. It's like, say, say for example, someone's given you a bit of stick and then later on that night, they see you filling up your car. They're not yeah. going to say a word to you. No, it's that, yeah, it, it's that mob mentality, isn't it? And people feel quite brave within the mob. And, you know, I play games and probably, you know, you've made a mistake and the next one you catch, you get that ironic cheer. Yeah. And that always used to really, yeah, that's a, yeah, that that's, always used to really annoy it's me. Like, it's know? not, it's not helping. Yeah. What well, exactly, you know, and any player, do you know what I mean? You know, and yeah. yeah, you'll see players who don't look like they're trying very hard, but everybody does things differently, don't they? Do you know what I mean? You know, and I think unfortunately, the very dangerous thing within footballers is that if you get that core nucleus of people who take a dislike to a player, that slowly but surely sort of radiates, doesn't it? You know, and, and um, you know, it, it, as, as a player, that's really difficult, I think, to to overcome. You know, and some do, um, but I'm sure there's plenty of, of, of players and, and, and relevant careers that have that have been affected quite quite severely by that. Do you know what I mean? And some players probably still carry it with them now. 
I think I think you know if I was a player now, I I would take myself off of, of social media altogether. You know, and if if my son does ever you know play uh, at any level, I would certainly be saying the same thing to him. You know, because um, you know obviously back in my day it was forums. You know, the forum is this and the forums that. Like, I mean, you know. Um, and I, I had a player last season with me uh, at, at the football club at Swindon Supermarine, where I coach, um, come up to me and said, oh, you know, so-and-so said this on the... F-. I'm like, don't even read it. Like, do you know what I mean? Do not even entertain that. Don't even let it enter your headspace, you know, because you don't know who this person is. You know what I mean? He could be a 45-year-old virgin living in his mum's house. <laughs> which, which, again, is you could say is, is me being out of order by kind of describing him like that but what my point is is what is it what does his opinion matter you know he's never kicked a ball in anger you know if, if one of the coaching staff comes to you and say look I think you could have done this better or done that you know yeah listen to them and, and try and take on board because they're trying to do it for your best interest not you know Malcolm who, who, who's, who's sitting in his bedroom typing on his laptop like you know what I mean you know and I think you know that that's that's the difference isn't it really yeah, I think ultimately a lot of frustration comes from with fans is they probably don't admit it, but deep down, footballers are, are playing their dreams. Yeah, they're they're living their yeah. dreams. Absolutely. So they they are they they almost probably don't realise it, but their frustrations are coming out that way. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and that's, I think that's my point really is I think that yeah, absolutely, you know, no, no question, everybody has those moments where they f and Jeff and you know curse somebody. You know, I just think that I just hope. That after what's gone on, and especially with, you know, Southend and and and, and Chris and that, you know, that, that that thought process maybe has just changed a little bit, you know, just a little bit, you know, because um, I think that will benefit everybody in that in that scenario. You know what I mean? I'll try not to go into too too much because obviously I know the full the full background yeah. to it, but in terms of you know, the kind of the, 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 uh, a general overview. I was with Chris 48 hours before. We had dinner together. Um, uh, um, uh, you know, he, 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 he was a little bit down about a couple of things um, that I'd not, and I'd not heard him talk like that before because he was quite a strong, strong archetypal Yorkshireman, like, you know, tight as, tight as anything, you know, didn't like spending his money. But at the same time, was the most generous man you could ever wish to meet. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and you know, I, I went, I, I, I went home early that night, and I left him with our other friend, and shook his hand and said, "Right, see you later, mate." You know, and if I'd have known that was the last time I was going to ever see him, I would have stayed till three in the morning. I would have, you know, what I mean, and all these things I've had to think about for the last four months. You know. Um, but never, ever, ever, never, ever did I ever think that he would do what he did. Um, you know, um, I'm sure you know people in your life that you might go, okay, I could, I could, I could potentially see that person maybe doing that. You know, that, you know, you could kind of imagine it almost. He was so far the other end of that scale to me. Um, I, I uh, so that was the Saturday night. Uh, on New Year's Day, I was at my uh, 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 and Supermarine game um, and I'd been warming up on the pitch uh, and came into my phone. I happened to check my phone and I had, I had multiple missed calls, which is very, not many people call me like, but 
multiple missed calls on my phone from the, the couple of friends within our uh, friend group. Um, so that, that was a, alarm bells were ringing straight away. So I, I phoned back and our friend who I'd left Chris with on the Saturday night said, have you, have you heard from him in the last couple of days? And uh, I said, no, no, not at all. You know, um, no, I, I, no, I've been busy. You know, I'd work and I'm at the game and um, I was going to give him a call later to see if he was all right, you know, because I knew he was a bit down about a couple of things. Uh, okay, fine, all right, no worries. They, they, they can't find him, you know, he's, he's gone missing sort of thing, you know. Um, put the phone down, okay, let me know, let me know when you find him, like, you know what I mean? Just let me know. He's probably gone for a run uh, with his dog, you know, because um, the dog was, was gone as well. Um, carried on getting changed from the warm-up kit to go and stand on the bench or sit on the bench there. Uh, and my son was with me. Uh, he's 16. Uh, and my phone went again. Um, and uh, I was told, you know, that he'd been found. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I don't think I've ever been more shocked in my life, you know. Um, and my son was right in my eye line, so he saw my face obviously change. And, you know, um, I, I, whether I... I whether I blacked out for a second, but certainly my memory of what happened next is 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 not there, you know. Um, but yeah, I you know I, I I've lost family members in my life, and you know from old age and illness. But they, you know, obviously it's a shock, but not in the sense of the shock that I had uh, on New Year's Day. Um, no, certainly, you know, and um, I mean that that really was was looking now that was just the start of it you know it was um it, it, was, it was it was a pretty horrendous um few weeks uh, to be honest with you well i can imagine i can well i can't imagine i genuinely hope you know you, you you would never have to go go through that experience you know i hope nobody would ever have to go through that experience you know because you know um <clears throat> like i say i think i think because of the type of character that he was and, and, and maybe, you know, looking on the bigger picture, that, that was half the problem, maybe, you know, that he was, you know, that strong exterior that, you know, <laughs> I don't think I ever had a, 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 a particularly deep conversation with him in the 10 years that I knew him, you know. Uh, um, it just wasn't the kind of conversation you have with, with, with Barks, you know. Um, but I, I, I've got some amazing memories of, of, of firstly living with him for that season when we first met at South End. And, you know, we went on holiday every summer uh, since then, um, you know, and I, I would always look forward to um, our, our holidays, you know, and the two, three, four days, whatever it was we went for, was something that, that I would always kind of look forward to and aim for, you know what I mean, you know, and, um, um, you know, and even further beyond that, we'd always talked about Chris's dream was to own a bar in Spain one day, you know, to retire to Spain and have a bar and, we, we talked about it on, on the Saturday night, you know, we actually talked about it. Um, and, you know, from a very selfish point of view, you know, I, I've, I've lost that in my life. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've lost that, uh, that dream, that, 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 that thing I would always aim for every year and that longer term aim to, you know, uh, potentially retire one day to Spain and, 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 you know, have a bar with him maybe, you know, um, yeah, just a just a devastating experience all around, really. And, and seeing what it's done to seeing what it's done to his family as well, you know, it's um, it, it, it 
it just 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 awful. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, this week was supposed to be the uh, the game for him, like at the end of the season. How how much were you sort of looking forward to that? Really, I, I, I've got to be honest. I think I was dreading it as much as I was looking forward to it. To be honest with you, because I think it would have been, it have, I, I, no doubt that would have been a very difficult um, thing to do. You know, um, obviously would 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 be there hundred percent. You know, no question. Um, you know, the, the 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 funeral was was very emotional, um, and no doubt that would have been a similar experience um, to to have walked out and played, you know, in in his memory. Do you know what I mean? You know, and um, I, I hope that we can arrange it, you know, when things go back to normal. Obviously, and probably realistically, will probably be next season now, on or next this time next year, I guess. Let's, you know, because a lot of the people involved in it will probably be with their own clubs, whether that's coaching or whatever. Uh, so to have the availability will be difficult. So it's, it, it is a real shame, you know, and I hope that, I hope that the effect out of it won't be lost through time um, and that we can still make the most of it when, when we are able to do it and hopefully raise some money. And, and more than anything, just honour on, on, on him as a person, do you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I certainly won't, I certainly won't let his, his, his memory... Um, die um and i think the one if there is one nice thing out of it that he will always be young in my head when i'm old and gray and wrinkly and and you know false knees and hips he will always he will always be 39 in my head you know and he'll always look as he did that saturday night when i last saw him you know um uh, um Yeah, you know, he he was such a great guy. Um, uh, you know, just 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 a a first class bloke. You know, um, you know, I would often <laughs> he didn't like it when I used to say this, but you know, what I found was I, when I met him, my career went down the toilet, but my social <laughs> life went through the roof. You know, <laughs> and only last year, you know, um, we were at an event together, um, and I said it in front of him and he got he got a bit funny about it like he said you always say that you always say that like you know and uh i was like yeah because i mean it like do you know what i mean you know, like, I, you know um but no you know I, I i i will always forever be grateful you know and there's times now when you know like this scenario now you know i'll, I'll something'll happen and I'll, I'll, i've done it a couple of times pick the phone up to call him to tell him about it and you're like, Shh, no, I can't. Like, do you know what I mean? You know, and then, mm. and, and then that's, uh, that's that's that, that's a shame. Yeah. Now I think what what you were saying that you hope the like the value in doing this charity game isn't lost over the over the time. I I actually hope and I do think it will actually add to it. I think because of what happened, because it got postponed through nobody's fault. I, I think when it does happen, I, th- I think it could potentially make it a bigger event hopefully you know whatever we can do to um to, to 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 promote it or whatever it needs to be you know um also i know that, that chris at the paper had put a lot of effort into it and, and you know fair play to him um you know from from what i've seen and, and the outpouring of affection for him you know i, I i'm confident it will be you know we good you know it's just um you know it's just a, a hope really you know just a hope that it, it, it will still be as Thing. He would hate it, by the way. He would absolutely hate the idea of it. 
you know, he, he was not somebody that would, you know, uh, blow his own trumpet, you know, or, or, or like any kind of um, un, unnecessary attention, you know. So the, the, the very thought of a game being played in his honour would, would, uh, wouldn't sit particularly comfortable with him, I don't think, to be honest with you. <laughs> so did you did you meet him at South End? Is that when you first met him? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um so he turned up obviously I don't know if the season had started or what, I don't know. I'd already rented this place. I can't remember the name of the square, but in Westcliff there's a bowling green with houses that run around it. And there's like a cafe attached to the bowling green. I think I know? do know what you mean, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember now myself, but we had a, a, I had an apartment over two floors that looked out onto this bowling green. And as you know, rent's quite expensive in Southend. So he turned up and we just got talking. I was, we were up north somewhere, like, at his, like somewhere like Huddersfield or something like that. And he turned up and I was about to go down to a garage to get a drink. And he, he said, oh, do you want to jump in my car? I'll take you down there. I was like, yeah, okay, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and I'm not really one for mixing. I, I, I'm quite happy in my own company. I'm not, you know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, it was just the way I, I am, you know. Uh, got in the car with him and just got talking. You know, it, 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 it sounds a bit sounds a bit uh, soppy like, but you know, people say about when they meet a woman and they know. It was almost like that with him. You know, that we we just we just got on straight away. And I think I'm quite straight talking. He's certainly very straight talking. Um, and we just got. Uh, I guess the subject of where you're going to live came up. And I said, look, I've just rented this place. It's really nice. Why don't you just come and rent a spare room and split the rent with me? Like, so you're doing me a favour. Um, and he was like, yeah, okay, like, you know, and he came round, I think, a couple of days later. He was like, yeah, fine, you know, yeah, move in. Um, <laughs> but the <laughs> funny story was, so I'd moved in with my, with some of my furniture. My my wife at the time, my son had stayed uh, in Swindon because um, just keep my son in school and everything else. So I had, I had this two-seater, like, leather sofa. So we came in, and, like, the first night, he sat down, and I sat down, and this sofa, I'm he's quite a big guy and I'm a fairly big guy and we were just sat like that on this so like this, this this ain't gonna work like do you know what I mean you know he's like no no he said well we need to go and get a sofa so the next day we walked down because uh, this road would then take you to the to almost to the top of town uh, so I walked down there and it's like this Heart Foundation charity shop yeah you yeah. know we'll go in there I was like oh, okay so there was this <laughs> There was this floral like sofa that obviously some old deer had died on or something, you know. <laughs> and we go in there and, and like, as I said, he was a Yorkshireman. He, he did, he, he was really generous in a lot of ways, but he wouldn't waste his money, like you know what I mean. He would buy you dinner, no, no problem, but he wouldn't just go and waste his money, like you know. So we go in there and he says to the woman, "Can I have that?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, fine, you know." Um, She's like, when would you, when would you like it? He's like, no, 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 we'll, we'll take it now. And the woman's face was like, what? He's like, no, we're going to take it now. She's like, we haven't got any delivery. He said, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll carry it out. So I've looked at him like, what? Well, we're so, <laughs> <laughs> we've then had to like, you know, like Chuckle Brothers got this <laughs> sofa. Like it was an old sofa. It's like three seater sofa. We're walking up the road carrying this sofa, me and him. <laughs> I'm like, and he's like shoving me with it, and I'm trying to walk with my hands turned around the other way. Are you walking like, backwards? Yeah, <laughs> back up the road to this, to this, to this uh, apartment we'd rented or uh, flat we'd rented. But we had to sit down a couple of times. So you imagine this picture of me and him sat on this floor <laughs> sofa on the on the on the part of the main road, just sat there like blowing out of our arseholes, you know, trying to get this sofa back. 
But then we had to get it up the stairs to the front door, then up the stairs into the first floor of where we, you know, the front door of this apartment. And uh, yeah, so you, you had him, me on my one and him on his one. Um, and, he, and he nicknamed it Betty. So at training, he couldn't wait to get home to get on Betty and have a cuddle like with Betty. <laughs> and he was notorious. And if, like, it was funny because at the funeral, you get talking to people who need to live with a couple of other guys. He was notorious for getting a couple of uh, orange lucasades. He loved orange lucasade. Um, and if he got home first, you'd walk into this flat and he'd be like a sauna because he'd whack the thermostat right up to the maximum. And he'd be asleep on the sofa. He drunk a bottle of like orange lucasade, and it was like you know, it was like tropical in this flat. And I'm like, you're not even paying towards the bills, like, do you know what I mean? You know, you're <laughs> running the thermostat to the max. Um, but that 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 was him, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and uh, that was how we lived for that season, like, you know. And, it, and I have to say, it, it was brilliant, like, you know, I just loved it. It was actually brilliant. It, it, it was tough because obviously I, I'd found out on the day but then had like the, the next sort of 24, 48 hours with a lot of people who knew that he and I were friends contacting me thinking they were telling me something I didn't already know, you know. Um, so that, 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 was, that was quite tough, you know, having to have those conversations with people and having to be the person to tell, to tell some other people as well, you know. And, and um, yeah, you know, I think we... we there's the core friend, core group of us who go away every year, um, and we've just tried to approach everything of what would he have wanted us to do? Do you know what I mean? What would he have wanted? Um, and, and just try to make every decision related to the the funeral and everything we've done since, uh, with that kind of thought process in mind. You know, so first half in the captain to the captains at Wembley. Is he really? Uh, yeah, so he's gone down the history books for that. And it's one of the sort of images we South End tweeted at the time when it happened was him leading the team out. And it's just sort of it, it is. Um, I can't remember the game we had. What, what, what is Can you remember the game we had after what when we had the minutes of applause? Tramia. We played Tramia at home. It was either the 23rd minute for his number or the 39th minute. And um, the whole ground stood up. And applauded, yeah. and it sort of really got to you, really. It was one of them. Yeah. I've never seen the ground like that before. I, I wasn't able to go. I got asked to go, but I, I couldn't go for one reason. But then I went to a Cardiff Swansea game um, after he passed away, and some of his family were there as well. So I was, I was, I was grateful to be invited. Um, and they did a did a thing before the game, and, and even now, just just said that there, and the, the hairs on the back of my neck yeah. have gone right, you know, and. To see a whole stadium like that, and obviously the Cardiff Stadium is on a bit of another level, isn't it? Yeah. Um, stand up and applaud for your mate. Do you know what I mean? For, forget the player element and the, and the teammate yeah. element. To do that for your mate, your friend, um, that that was that was um, yeah, that was uh, yeah, incredible. Really, like, do you know what I mean? You know. Um, yeah. It's like I've never seen the South End before. Put it that way. Was it really? Yeah. And that and that's great. You know, that, that's fantastic. And. Uh, uh, and you know, uh, and fair play to all the people that, that that are taking the time to do that. You know, it's um, it it, it it's a fantastic thing in 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 honour of him, isn't it? Players like Chris, what they're able to do is drag people with them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, and that isn't that isn't just on on a on a ninety minute game. It's it's in training every day. You know, he 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 would pull people up. Um, you know, within training, you know, and, and demand of people generally, you know, 
Um, and that was why I was personally really keen for my son to perhaps get, get something at Forest Green, knowing that he would then be with Chris for a couple of years, you know, not, not, as a, not from a coaching point of view, but I just knew he would make him a better man, you know, a better person. Um, because he, he would, he would tell me stories of what he'd have the young lads at Forest Green doing, you know, sweeping out the minibus and this, that, and the other lot, you know, and not, not because he wanted to be an arsehole, but because he wanted them to, 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 to do it right. Do you know what I mean? And all these little things that, 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 that matter, you know, um, so, you know, he's, he's a big loss to coaching as well. You know, he's a big loss to, you know, to see how upset his youth team boys were at the funeral, you know, it was heartbreaking, you know, because, you know, you got, he obviously had made a great impact on them in a short period of time, you know, and, and um, you know, they were deeply affected by, by his, his death as well, you know, and um, just, just, again, just goes to show the, 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 the mark of the man. He was never an apprentice. So he, he never had an apprenticeship. He was working as a lifeguard in a swimming pool in Barnes, uh, <laughs> playing local football, you know. So he, had, he, he was very grounded, you know, very, very grounded in that sense that, you know, he got into the game late, but did very, very well out of it, you know. Um, so he, 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 he had those standards and those personal level, you know, just because just that was who he was, do you know what I mean? Um, not because he'd been his his PE teacher spoke at his funeral at the service afterwards at the the public service, and he, he gave a fantastic speech about Chris and and how he was as a as a, as a kid, you know, within PE lessons and school teams, and how he would obviously have to compete with his older brother, you know, and and that how he fought to have his own identity and not be Richie's brother, you know, he was he was his own man, you know, mm. um, and his dad was a really good runner as well, apparently. Um, you know, so you, you can see that the ground he got from his family and without divulging too much, I think the loss of both his parents was a major factor in, in, in his life. Do you know what I mean? As it would be for anybody, but I mean, in terms of what he ultimately decided to do, um, you know, I think the loss of his parents at a relatively young age, you know, had a, had a, a deep effect. I don't think even his closest friends were aware of, you know, so um, I think that was his driving force, you know, as well as, as well as his daughter, um, and you know, um, he 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 just had very high personal standards. You know, and one of my biggest regrets personally is that he never saw me at my best. You know, he never saw me in my in my prime as a as a as a player. Now he probably mm. couldn't give a, a toss about that. Do you know what I mean? Because he treated everybody as he found them. You know, but it's something I've thought about a lot. You know, he he we he he, ne he never we never talked about it. Do you know what I mean? You know, but. I I I I I really wish he he'd been with, played with me when I was at the height of my game, you know, not when he saw me in Southend when when I wasn't, you know. Mm. Um, and like I said, it probably would never have affected our friendship. It's just a real personal thing to me because I would have loved for him to really respect me on a player level, having seen me at my best. And he did, and he did. I had no question he didn't respect me at all. But just just a personal rankle of mine, really. Like, do you know what I mean? You know. Um, I get probably says more about me than it does about him, really. As an actual on the field teammate, what was he like then? Yeah, pretty pretty ruthless. Like you know, although we were living together, he bollocked me a couple of times. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he he was just somebody you know that it's 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 a, it's a well used and overused phrase about you know being in the trench with somebody or being in you know. But he is definitely somebody you'd want 
in a trench with you or in a, in a situation, you know, um, you know, I, I, I would, I would trust him, you know, to the, to the absolute maximum, like, do you know what I mean? You know, no, no question whatsoever. It's difficult because obviously my, my, my memories of him have, have kind of merged into the, the personal memories I've got of him, you know, yeah, uh, and the time I've known him as, as a, as a person far outweighs the time I knew him as a teammate. Do you know what I mean? Um, but he, he, he was somebody that you just, you just knew that he was given everything he had. Do you know what I mean? You know, and if he was injured, he was injured. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, it's a bit sore and I might give it a miss. If he didn't play, it was because he, he, he was, he was struggling. Do you know what I mean? That kind of player, um, and I think you only have to read some of the, the tributes of other players that played with him or talking to people at the funeral um, afterwards, you know, um, that that wasn't a one-off thing. That was something he did throughout his career and why he had the career that he had, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the one for me. It was reading other 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 players talking about him as well. You realise that across across the board, wherever he played, he was respected by a lot of people. What what I thought was even more interesting though is the amount of people, the, the amount of non-playing staff that really talked highly of him. You know, he was he was probably far happier going and talking to the kit man in the kit room, having a cup of tea with him, as he was talking to the, the star striker or the star player. Because I think Chris was very much more of that level, where he was, you know, he 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 cared about people, you know, and he and he took a, vest, a vested interest in people. You know, and um, you know, if he knew somebody was struggling or, you know, or whatever, you know, he I heard him offer people money or lend them money. You know, I've I've heard him do that on many occasions. You know, to give you another example. Um, one of our circle of friends is is Ian, uh, Ian Lanning, who's now the MK Dons kit man. He was the Cardiff kit man for like ten years, and uh, that's where he first met Chris when Chris signed for Cardiff, and Ian lived in his house in Cardiff rent-free uh, for up until, you know, like four or five years ago, um, just because Chris knew he was struggling because he was based in Bath. Um, and he just looked after Chris's house while he was off playing elsewhere. And Chris never took a penny of any kind of rent or anything from him, you know, uh, because he knew that that helped Ian out, you know. And um, he must have lived in his house for 10 years, like, do you know what I mean, without, without paying him a penny. But that, that and that and that, and that that's the kind of guy that, 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 that he was, you know. Yeah. yeah, genuine bloke. Absolutely, yeah. I used to do a bit of media work for the club, and it was when we, we got to that cup final we mentioned where Chris was the, the first Wembley captain. The yeah. club wanted to put together a little behind-the-scenes video or whatever, and it was one day down at the training grounds. Like we, we interviewed him, and that was the first time I met him. And any time I saw him after that, he'd like... He'd say hello to me. He'd never walk past me after that without saying hello or like morning, yeah. whatever. And it was yeah. something so small, but it's just that he's, yeah. he's gone to the efforts. Like he's learnt my name, and he doesn't yeah. have to do that at all. And he, he'd no. never walk, never walk past you. But that, and again, you know, uh, that wasn't something that that wasn't something that was contrived. You know, there was no that was just him. Do you mm. know what I mean? You know, and um, it's difficult for me to, 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 to not kind of uh, wax lyrical about the guy. Do you know what I mean? You know, because um, obviously I, I, I... And it's just nice that, that, that other people experience the kind of the kind of fellow that he was. Do you know what I mean? Within the last couple of days, the, our group of friends that I mentioned, we bought a greyhound. 
So we bought a greyhound and we're going to name it after Chris, but we're not. The name hasn't been decided yet. Right. Um, and um, I mean, it's got four legs, so we've got half a chance. <laughs> uh, it's got to go through. I'm, I'm new to this, but it's got to go through this trial apparently, and it's going to run at Hove. Um, so when we've decided on the name and it gets through the, the certification to race, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll try and make that a bit more public. Um, but you know, any kind of we're going to obviously try and make any 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 winnings or any any earnings, you know, to get them to to the charity. Hopefully, you know. So um, hopefully, people will be able to get behind that um, and give a bit of a focal point, really. And hopefully for his family and that as well. Do you know what I mean? Just something, just to kind of you know bring a smile to his, to, to their faces more than anything. But um, you know, something maybe people can get behind if uh, if it if if it gets to the stage where it's allowed to chase the bunny <laughs> around the, uh, the track. <laughs> Everyone that played with him seems to have their own Bill Elmosny story. I'm wondering if you have one. Yeah, well, you, could you could you could you picture the scene of Barks and Bilal? You know, <laughs> you've got like um, this is why I need to ask that question because I can just imagine Barker putting his air out, but at the same time just pulling Bilal's air out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, what a what a yeah. <laughs> he 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 is he is such. I say I nearly had a twenty-year career, and he probably is one of the more unique characters that I came across. You know, um, is he is he being linked with the club again now? He was training with he was training with Grimsby, but this was obviously before the coronavirus, so right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in normal circumstances, what a lovely guy. Do you know what I mean? You know, the most placid, nice chap you could ever wish to meet. You know. Uh, would would bring his prayer mat. We'd have to wait for him to 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 pray to Mecca before we could leave on the coach and that sort of thing, you know, and uh, and all that, you know. But then uh, there's probably a, a medical term for it. But he would literally flip a switch. I think mm. there was this this. You may have heard this story, but have you heard the scissors story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chasing the, and going to drive to follow the coach down the motorway. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think we've heard that much. We, we've heard as much that he was he was like trying to obviously stab a late and Orient player with some scissors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what, I mean, this might be wrong, but my memory of it was was then he was going to his car to follow their coach back to wherever they were going back to. Again. <laughs> but you know, I walked in. The, I can't remember if I played that night or not. I can't remember if I played, but I, I remember walking back in the changing room, two or three lads being lying on top of him. <laughs> literally like lot like, like bundling him just to try and keep him where he was you know and him having these scissors in his hand like you know you're like fuck you know I, I have no no doubt if he'd have got out of there he would have stabbed him no question oh, no doubt, you don't think he's someone that was he'd have got there and like he might no, have bottled it a little bit no no no, no. He'd, he'd have gone for his jugular the guy would have been dead <laughs> Jeez. I can't remember who it was. Who was the player? Do you know who the player was? Lee, Lee Martin, I think it was, wasn't it? Little winger. Yeah, the guy, I mean, obviously, Bilal was was susceptible to being wound up, you know. Yeah. And um, I remember the games that I played, I'd probably be going, Bilal, all right, calm down, like, you know, you know, calm down. Um, but yeah, fuck me. What? <laughs> like, moments of, like, genius, but then, like, you know, you... As a manager, I don't know whether you would ever take the risk of playing him just because of you could you'd run the risk of playing with ten men every week. Like, I think that's you know? what's always held him yeah. back. So they eat no no doubt he had bags of ability, but yeah, as you say, just a, a ticking time bomb. 
Well, I remember when he, I, I, my, my vague memory of him turning up at the training ground and thinking like, you know, because obviously as a footballer, you get lots of trialists to turn up. And he turned up and he was like, oh, fucking hell, you know, here's another one. Um, <laughs> and never, never, never thinking that he would amount to anything like, do you know what I mean? You know, and then next thing we signed him and I'm like, you know, um, and then he was playing. And it was like, all of a sudden, it kind of clicked, like, do you know what I mean? You know, and, and like, has he, has he had, where does he go after that? I have to say, I've stepped, I stepped away from him and I haven't really followed it that much. But where did he go? Where did he... Do you know what? We should have sold him to West Ham. I think we, I can't, I can't remember the amount, but West Ham actually bid for him. And um, we, we got greedy and they told us to do one eventually. Um, he ended up at Ron Ipswich. Ron Martin got greedy. Yeah. Ron Martin got greedy. <laughs> Can't imagine that. No, no. Um, but um, he went on loan to Ipswich, which was obviously right. a step up. Yeah, because um, he actually went AWOL for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he went AWOL from South End, which is why we loaned him out. And uh, just right. to finish up quickly, um, he got to about February time. We, was, we had an injury crisis. <laughs> Any more, we hadn't seen him all season. <laughs> it's like breaking news Friday night. Bill back. He's going to be in a squad. Sorry, he's going to be starting. So we're playing. I think it was Northampton at home, and um, about ten minutes in, he got a straight red. <laughs> he got sent off. <laughs> he literally, literally two footed someone's neck, I think, and then um, yeah. got straight sent off, and then that was it. So, but um, he's played for Rangers. Got involved in a fight at Rangers. Yeah, that was, I remember seeing that. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> There's people, I think there's people I play with in my career and you go, how have they got that move? You know, and, you, and you're almost a bit like, bastard, like, you know, and I probably earned them a load of money, you know, but then, yeah, incredible, isn't it? Incredible. And he had played for Tunisia, am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah, played for Tunisia. International football. Yeah. He got, um, he was in the, you know, when you call up a squad for the World Cup, you have like a 30-man squad, then it gets trimmed down. He got in yeah. the 30-man squad for the, for the last World Cup. But yeah, then nearly went to a World Cup. Nearly went to a World Cup. Could have played against England. Well, fair, you know, fair play to the guy. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't want to sound yeah. bitter, but you yeah. know, fair play. He was meant to be back for the for the game for Barks, wasn't he? He was meant to be there. Uh, so well, it'd, it'd have been it'd have been nice to see him. It'd be it'd have been nice to see him playing a game. Hopefully, he wouldn't have topped somebody in life. You know <laughs> he I mean? still like, have got sent off. <laughs> he probably still would have been a memorial like you know game, you know, a testimonial type game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think someone like Belleau knows the difference. <laughs> I think he could have a fight with himself in a room on his own, probably, couldn't he? So, what do you think is going to happen with your club now? Christ knows what's going to happen now. Yeah, I, I really don't know. It, it, it's um, you could be what well, you could be in a very fortunate position. Whereas, if you were to escape relegation, that it, it, you know, what I mean, it'd be incredible. We, we, we we've joked about it, thinking like. We've we've won three games all season. We've got nineteen points. So how how would you feel then? How would you feel as a supporter if you escape relegation? Would that sit well with you? You you, you take it, but it would be a bit embarrassing. Yeah, it would be embarrassing. I'd laugh at it, but I'd be embarrassed. I, I certainly wouldn't be celebrating it. it. It would be a bit. It would be highly embarrassing. I think, unfortunately, you know, I mean, the the the. the the, the club seemed a shambles when I was there. Do you know what I mean? At times, you know, and sort of that was my that's my kind of recollection of it. You know, but um, mm. I spoke to I won't name him, but I spoke to somebody who worked at the club a couple of nights ago, just because we've been in touch more since since Parks passed away, and um, I got quite an interesting insight into what's been going on. Like, you know, so um, and what's the general consensus on Sol Campbell? 
the issue with him is because he's a bit of an oddball, he sometimes it seems he rubs people up the wrong way. So, you know, whether it's just because the kids are playing well because they're kids and they're taking opportunity or whether he is making them better, I don't know. But be interesting to be a fly on the wall there, wouldn't it? You know, to see how he's what he's doing with them. On paper, he's got all of the experience and know-how in the world, isn't he? But even from my experience, I know that doesn't always translate into somebody being a good coach. Well, anyway, mate, let's see. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it, especially on the subject. We've yeah, can about. tell that was um, that was quite emotional for you as well. So um, thanks very much for, for having yeah. a chat with us. No problem at all. All right, thanks, guys. Top man, mate. Mate, all the best. Yeah, when um, whenever we can, whenever the game does get rearranged, we... Um, yeah, come, come, and, meet come you. and find me. Yeah, please come, in, yeah, come and say hello. That'd be nice to meet you in person. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, mate. Cheers, guys. Awesome. Nice to see, you. Right, see you later. <laughs>